Dante Moore has committed to Oregon, so what could come next? Is Richard Young next? Today we'll talk to a guy who is most definitely in the know. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Thank you to everybody who has already done so. I would also like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. And I bring that up today, of course, because we've got our recruiting expert back on the show, John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. We kind of just at least temporarily until the next big piece of news drops, (laughs) come away from the conference realignment talk and dive deep into recruiting and nobody better to do it with than yourself. Good to have you back. Good to be on with you, Spencer. And yeah, every time we talk ducks, there's there's a new big commitment. But this is probably the biggest so far, right? Yeah, I I would say so. From both a literal and uh, just kind of general perspective, that that's the case. But uh, before we get to how uh, the entire process played out for Dante Moore, and he went from you know a highly rated quarterback in Michigan to now a future Oregon Duck. I want to ask you about tag team recruiting because this is something that's very much on the forefront of uh, of the minds of many Duck fans right now because you look at a situation like Arch Manning at Texas. He commits and boom, they get Jonte Cook and they had, I think, a couple other guys follow suit. Oregon hasn't had that at this point in time, but there's a, a big fish in the pond they're looking for who we are also going to talk about today, Richard Young. But but just sort of generally speaking in your time covering college recruiting, which is uh, quite extensive for those of you who don't know, John's been around the block more than a few times, but not so many that he's going to feel bad and I that I'm making him sound oh, a little good. bit we're old. Good, <laughs> <laughs> we're all good. But so in all the time that you followed recruiting have – have you noticed uh, a consistent trend with regards to, oh, this guy commits and then other guys follow suit? Or, or does it depend a little bit more on, on each player and kind of, you know, what their preferences are? Yeah, I think there's always a case by case scenario to look at it from from uh, vantage point wise. But look, when it's a quarterback, it's different. I and mean, I think everybody recognizes that obviously Arch is, is the greatest example or the most current example to showcase because, yeah, he really jump started the entire a Texas football recruiting class. I think eight or nine prospects have jumped on board since Arch committed. Uh, and as you would expect, many offensive linemen already, the, you know, the biggest receiver target they had. Uh, they're in it for others as well. So, yeah, you expect it in general, but particularly on offense, because those are the guys that you're going to impact the most. Uh, in theory, if you all ascend to no, you know, starting position on the depth chart simultaneously as as freshmen or sophomores or whenever it's going to be. So naturally, yeah, the quarterback is usually the catalyst. And then I think there's also a different responsibility level when quarterbacks make these decisions. They often want to become an extension of their coaching staff because there are no rules against peer-to-peer recruiting in terms of communication, how many times you see each other, how many times you're on FaceTime, all of those things. That's fair game. So when a coach 
as a quarterback committed who is bought into the program, you're now able to kind of coach him as a recruiter in the process, not only to lead the group chats and communicate with your fellow commitments, but obviously go out and target some new prospects to add to the group. There's, uh, I would say, two two out of every three quarterbacks we talk to who are about to commit or had just committed to their schools, they're talking about recruiting other guys immediately. So it's always been big. And I think the pandemic and the restrictions it created in recruiting really uplifted it to the highest degree. I mean, Caleb Williams committed to Oklahoma and he was literally organizing unofficial visits that he led with other prospects uh, to try to meet up there and skirt the rules as much as possible together uh, legally, which they did. Um, they, they called it the Sooner Summit. It was this huge thing. And they ended up getting multiple <laughs> commitments out of that wow. group because it was in the middle of the pandemic. So quarterbacks are often the catalyst for, for these tag team recruitments. So now again, that Dante Moore is on board, especially if you're an offensive recruit, Richard Young is certainly the most important and the first one that comes to mind, but the rest of the O-line targets, pass catchers, tight ends, et cetera, there's going to be a little bit more onus to join the ducks because you know, that quarterback room is looking pretty darn good. Uh, I think the combination of Ty Thompson a couple of years ago and now Dante Moore, I mean, that's as good of, of a young core uh, that, that any program has in the country moving forward beyond this this year of 2022. So the Ducks are in great shape at the sport's most important position. And as usual, it's not going to hurt on the recruiting trail. Yeah, you have Jay Butterfield in there as well, who is a highly rated four-star, really accurate passer. He, he's shown that I think he's kind of, at least at this point in their careers, on similar footing with, with yeah. Ty Thompson. I mean, you know, I, I talked to a lot of Duck fans, and, you know, I also watched the, the spring game and such, and I, I think there's a decent consensus of, like, uh, maybe you'd have Ty ahead because he's got the bigger arm and the higher ceiling, but, gosh, if you had to choose, you know, which one is, is more refined at this point in time, I think the answer is uh, potentially Jay Butterfield. That's open for debate, but I think that you can very reasonably come to that conclusion. Dante Moore is from the state of Michigan. Detroit area went to, I think it's called Detroit MLK High School. He will mm -hmm. play again this year. They're the reigning state champions. And I find that to be really fascinating because, I can't remember the last big time recruit Oregon's had from the state of Michigan. It, it's, it seems strange to me. I haven't followed recruiting as closely as I do now for, for very long, but generally you hear a big time recruits and it's California, maybe Washington, Arizona, Texas. We've had some really good ones from Florida, but he comes from Michigan, which is not exactly a hotbed for college football recruiting. So how did that all sort of play out to where after Nico decided to go to Tennessee, Jaden Rashada was looking like the next option. Oregon fans were lobbying him hard. The Ducks were obviously very interested in him and had offered him, had him on campus and all that sort of stuff. We talked about him extensively here on the show, but ultimately the guy from Detroit is going to make his way West and go to Eugene. How, how did you see that all sort of play out? Well, the Ducks just never went away. I know we talked about Dante, you know, in that Jaden context for, for quite a bit. And his timeline was the longest. So we always said, hey, stay, stay in that top two or three. Stay in the mix there. And then as these dominoes fall, you never know. You just never know how it's going to shake out. And I do think, obviously, there was some luck involved here, right? You had to kind of miss on Nico and Jaden to get to Dante, which is unconventional. But 
It's also the business of college football recruiting at the quarterback position. It is musical chairs, typically one spot per college, and you move on. So it means that every other program is going to miss out on, on their top guy at some point as well. So you've got to cast a wide net, but a strategically wide net. Uh, so that that obviously was important on the outset from Dan Lanning, from Kenny Dillingham, uh, when they began targeting prospects when they took the job over uh, in December and January going forward. So I think that was the first element. The second element was, again, Dante's timeline. He was always going to take his time. There was talk that he would take it into the season. So it really behooved the programs who missed out on some of their initial targets to stay in this fight. Um, and, and they did it in multiple ways. Obviously they got him on campus for that April official visit. That was huge and created enough interest to begin to set up a return trip. But that's the thing. It wasn't really planned. He kind of just showed up a day or two before or, or day or two before he showed up. He kind of just, Hey, let's, let's lock this in and take one more trip to Eugene because before that point, he had visited College Station. He was back at Michigan. Notre Dame had had him on campus later in the spring months after a bus tour where he saw all his other contenders from Florida, even Auburn and, and Miami and some of these other schools, LSU, that that were in the mix. Uh, so I, I do think that you had to try to play the logistical game there as well. You got one of the later official visits, and then you ended up getting a return trip, which which was really the moment that was set. It was like it was mid-June. A lot of these quarterbacks were coming off the board. Jaden Rashad had his commitment date set for June 18th. Oregon looked like they were on the outside looking in at that point. And then, boom, right after that, Dante sets this Oregon visit. So you kind of said, okay, they're keeping an eye on each other. And I talked to Dante in Las Vegas uh, right around that time, and he was like, yeah, I got to keep an eye on things. The big story for him that day was C.J. Carr had committed to Notre Dame in the class of 24, Notre Dame was kind of the favorite for Dante for a long time. I'd say almost six months. So that pulled some sizzle off of Notre Dame. Rashada looking at some of the same schools as Dante, Texas A&M, Miami in particular, eventually picking Miami. That pulled some of the sizzle uh, from the, the Mario Cristobal's program off of Dante Moore. So that kept Oregon in that conversation. So really there were three programs that were kind of just surviving and they all were after Rashada as well as Dante. So when Rashada comes off the board, LSU, AM, and Oregon are the three schools that are, are not scrambling, but certainly pivoting even harder for Dante Moore. And it just so happened that AM and Oregon got the final two visits. And that's really what it came down to. We heard AM was making a legitimate push there at the 11th hour, uh, but really it was Kenny Dillingham and the offensive scheme that he wants to implement at Oregon that Dante thought he fit best with. And that second visit also provided a little bit more culture on what Oregon wants to build offensively and just in general on that football roster. And that's what began to sell Dante. So it's not even just getting him back on campus. He visited with Richard Young. He visited with multiple commitments, Dante Dowdle among them. And it just became this kind of snowball effect. And, and you just got the sense after that trip, when we got to the Elite 11, the Ducks started trending. And you talked to him about it, and, and he just couldn't stop raving about Lanning in particular and then Dillingham's vision. Uh, he's very, very high on his future play caller, as he should be. So long, long roundabout way of saying the Ducks had to stay in the mix weather the storm, which, you know, hey, we're used to in the Pacific Northwest, and then close. And the logistics, the timing of these visits paired with the other visits that Oregon had on campus 
really apexed at the right time for Dante Moore, right ahead of this dead period that we're still in. And that's when he was like, hey, I can now think about this decision because simultaneously he was still in school. He told us he was in school till the end of June, longer than most of these high schoolers. So I think that factored into some of the frustration and delay in him making a, a commitment. So again, there was some luck involved, but obviously the Ducks uh, did plenty on their own end uh, as well. So now you're left with uh, maybe the highest floor quarterback in this class of 2023. Yes. Yes. Including Arch Manning. We, we had this conversation a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago on SI and we broke it all down. The highest floor quarterbacks, the safest bets are the four-year starters, uh, Malachi Nelson out in California, Dante Moore in Michigan, and of course, Arch Manning in Louisiana. Yeah, I think schematically with what we know about Dillingham as an offensive coordinator, there's uh, there's a lot of fit there. I talked about that yesterday on the show. You can go check it out. You should also go check out Rock Auto because they have brought you this episode. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to have all the parts you need. You can just save time and money when using Rock Auto, a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? You can just go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available at a better price for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The next question for Oregon fans after Dante Moore's commitment is, is that going to be enough to to lure Richard Young over? Um, I'll state again, and I'm happy to take a fat L. I would love to come on here and just go full, you know, a smash mouth L on the forehead sort of thing. I, I don't think Richard Young is coming to Oregon, but I'm also not the expert. I'm going to defer to you on, on that one, John. Is that going to be a, a domino that, that could fall Oregon's way? It could. They've certainly developed a relationship. I believe two of Richard's trips to Eugene overlapped with Dante's two trips to Eugene. So that's certainly, again, where, where you nod the organizational approach recruiting wise of, of landing Dillingham, et cetera. Carlos Lachlan, certainly a big factor here. And, and I think that's where there's a true alignment with Richard Young, uh, Richard, country kid, quiet, you know, kind of does his own thing. Although when you watch a player, you're like, oh, my God, this is a dominant downhill, physical, <laughs> yeah. fast, elite, maybe number one running back in the country. Shifty. And then Carlos Lachlan, really similar, you know, similar personality wise, down south roots. You know, he already pulled out Mississippi's top running back. So he's going after Florida's as well. Um, and kids, kids love Carlos Lachlan. We've talked about this a plenty at every place he's been, including FSU. Uh, it was at Western Kentucky uh, after that. Um, just a lot of, hey, this kid's considering this school. Oh, Carlos Lachlan's there. He just kind of has out-recruited the brand that he's with at the time. And, and obviously, Richard Young would be his his best pull just yet. But obviously, a ton of competition for Richard, right? Early on, considered an Ohio State lean. Uh, since then, I think Alabama has done as good a job as Oregon in the offseason in terms of recruiting and or prioritizing him. So I think right now those those are the top two programs. I think it's Alabama with a sprinkle of Ohio State, but Oregon's right there to me. I don't see Oregon lower than three on his list. There's a few other programs that are trying to hang around here. Uh, but you could make the argument that Oregon has gained the most ground 
since the new year. Um, I think for a long period of time, Alabama and Ohio State were going to be in this conversation. Georgia was in there as well. Again, just programs you know are going to recruit number one type running backs almost at will. And that still exists with Richard. And then there's Oregon, kind of the dark horse, the upstart, the late riser, all of those cliches we want to throw at it. Um, and I think tangibly here, Richard's really interested in, in doing something different. You know, he took the official visit and he returned on an unofficial visit on his own dime. Uh, flights from the Naples area of Southwest Florida to anywhere near Eugene, probably Portland, I would imagine. Not cheap nowadays, right? Everyone's talking gas prices, all that stuff. He went on his own dime out to Eugene, and I think that says a lot about his own interest. Then you pair in Dante Moore. You pair in the national spotlight that Oregon has commanded on the recruiting trail, and that starts to line up really well for Richard Young. So the question here is, when's he going to pop? We don't really have a date. We don't have a clear window for when he wants to make a commitment, but you get the sense if Oregon's going to pull this off, it needs to be sooner rather than later because he's already used that official to Eugene. It means if he's going to get back there for a game, let's say, he's going to have to buckle down and, and get another flight out that way, which is improbable at this stage of, of the game. Much easier to get up to Tuscaloosa. You could drive there if you're, you're really bold. And then obviously Georgia and Ohio State are a little bit closer uh, thereafter if you want to stay in the South or Midwestern footprint. So I do think sooner the better from the Duck perspective if Richard – begins to shut it down but Alabama clearly the biggest threat to the Ducks at this point but you can make that argument that UO is sitting right there pretty at number two all right you've raised my spirits uh, on the prospects <laughs> there uh, a little bit I've just been very cautious with it because of you know some of the things you just mentioned that the geographical component is you know uh, very real and the previous staff showed we're capable as a university of going down to the state of Florida and, and getting guys out of there. It has happened before. Jordan Scott, just one name uh, among several that, that, that comes to mind there. Dillingham, of course, was, was at FSU, so he might have some ties to to that area. That's, of course, the side of the ball. And Lachlan has been just a stud on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. I mean, when, when we were going into spring football, Oregon had – I think two scholarship running backs on the roster. It was Sean Dollars and Byron Cardwell. Now you look up and you're like, okay, we've got Bucky Irving. We've got Noah Whittington. Jordan James is committed. Suddenly this is a really, we got Dowdell committed. Suddenly this class is really starting to show like that position has just so quickly become solidified. And so it's good to hear that, that kids are liking Carlos Lachlan because I think we're, we're liking him in Eugene as well. Uh, we're also, generally speaking, liking Built Bars because they're healthy and delicious. And the latest gift to your taste buds is the Coconut Brownie Chunk Puff. That's right. Coconut Brownie Chunk Built Bar, the flavor you love in a deliciously chewy marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. It's like a fluffy cloud of coconut brownie goodness. I want one all ready. Low sugar, low calorie, high protein, all delicious. Go get yours right now at Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Young doesn't have as much of a timeline, but one timeline just came to fruition for Oregon. That's Caleb Presley, a very highly rated uh, four-star corner. And look, we talked a lot about, uh, and you know, we as Oregon fans were excited about Jaleel Florence, but Presley actually has a higher overall composite rating that, than he does 
number one player in the state of Washington, the class of 2023, after Oregon got the state's number one player in the 2022 cycle with Josh Connerly. What do you think it says about, I mean, Presley's obviously a very promising player, but, you know, big picture with his commitment. What do you think it says about Oregon, the fact that this staff, who hasn't even uh, coached a game yet, is able to pull the the top recruit out of the state of Washington in back-to-back cycles in a really short period of time? Yeah, I I think it should at least begin, if not, you know, wrap up uh, and alleviate any of that question mark about, how is Dan Landing as a first-year head coach going to be able to build a staff and or recruit with said staff? Oregon has hit some of the same marks we talked about and we're so high on under Mario Cristobal and even back to Willie Taggart. We, we've seen them go national, but we've also seen them continually pluck from Washington, which is the old-school rivalry. I went to grad school with a UW grad who educated me on, on this hatred. Uh, so it, it just stings a little bit more. And with the turmoil in Seattle, with three coaches in a very short amount of time, there's been a lot of programs that have taken advantage. And you can make the argument that Oregon has taken the most advantage. And that's not something we foresaw with this coaching change. It wasn't something that immediately – on paper looked like, oh, they're going to dominate in the state of Washington. That's just not something anyone said. But like you said, you grab Josh Connerly, you were the only Pac-12 option for Jaden Wayne, and then you pull in uh, Caleb Presley on top of it, almost back to back to back. That's all in the last you know three, four months. Uh, so it says a lot about the consistency of staying relatively local, which again, when we talk about the recruiting profile of Oregon, that's not the first thing that comes to mind. You think of California, and you think of the dipping into other big metros, whether it's Texas, uh, Atlanta, the state of Florida, as, as you've mentioned here, uh, plenty. So I do think that is quite interesting and something maybe I didn't expect about this, this current coaching staff. But it, it's got some pl- plenty, I should say, not some West Coast ties. And these guys are closers, whether it's Clem, whether it's Lupoy and, and some of these other coaches on, on the staff, Junior Adams, certainly uh, all that stuff starts to build together and, and really matters when you're pitching uh, Pacific Northwest or a West Coast recruit. So I think that overall staff ability, staff hiring ability of landing is maybe underrated as we go forward in recruiting because it, it's not just him at the top. He's getting a whole lot of help along the way. And, and look, Caleb Presley's a big get. We talk about Floors and ceilings in recruiting all the time. Ceiling is like what you might be in two or three years. Give me the floor of Caleb Presley. Six foot, 185 pounds, comfortable in coverage, doesn't panic when the ball is in the air. Great instincts. He's, he's got some finesse to his game that really lends itself to the modern cornerback. Longer, ball skills-oriented type of player who's comfortable redirecting during uh, redirecting relative to that route tree that he's going to see every day play some receiver as well which is great you want that offensive prowess with your secondary players because they're comfortable with the ball in the air they can attack it and they can hold on to it and create turnovers which are still the most important stat in the game of football so i i think a home run deal across the board with caleb presley and another reminder that hey it's going to be a national deal with, with Oregon recruiting, but they're still going to be able to pluck where we expect them to in California and certainly the Pacific Northwest. 
Presley adds to uh, what has become a, a pretty solid-looking list of defensive backfield commitments. You've got Tyler Turner. You've got Cody DeCambra. You have Cole Martin, another high-rated four-star corner in there. Uh, the Jaleels are coming in in the class of 2022. Jaleel Tucker is not yet on campus, but Florence we saw in the spring game, and he looks like you know he's got some room to grow, but also looks like he belongs. And uh, Trajan Williams, four-star safety in the class of 2022. Like There are a lot of defensive backfield who you know I, I think are really promising looking players and I feel pretty confident about those positions going forward from a numbers perspective but I think one area where Oregon has still got to you know start getting some recruits rolling in is the defensive line because if you're going to be a defensively oriented team with a guy like Dan Lanning well who did he have at Georgia this past year as a defense coordinator he had Jordan Davis he had yeah. Trayvon Walker he had N'Kobe <laughs> Dean I mean, Not like the, these are big, these are big boy, big time front seven caliber players. And I think the Ducks uh, linebacking unit looks uh, pretty solid. But defensive line this year, a little bit of a question mark next year, even more so after you're going to lose probably time, maybe time on maybe not. But certainly Brandon Dorless, uh, I think Popo as well. Like you need to start getting recruits there. David Hicks is the big name that, that that's left there. Mateo Uyunglele as well. We talked about him on Locked On Pack 12. You can go check that out. I'll put it up as a separate video on the uh, Locked On Pack 12 YouTube channel, so you can go watch over there. Uh, but let's talk about David Hicks here for for a moment to wrap up the show. What what's his timeline looking like? I know we uh, gave out a top seven, and Oregon is in it. But what's his timeline looking like? And are the Ducks in the running here for what would certainly be, uh, I think, the biggest defensive commitment that, that Dan Lanning and the staff have gotten so far? Yeah, that's that's a no doubter if if they can land David Hicks. Again, you're talking about geography and the competition. I mean, just like Richard Young, these are the main factors in this recruitment. You know, he's a Texas kid. Texas A&M is all over him, but he's got a lot of schools all over the place on there. Miami's in there. Oregon's in there. Michigan State is considered a dark horse by some. There's a whole lot to sort out with this David Hicks recruitment, and I think that extends his decision-making process, which I think is okay for the Ducks. You know, I think you got to have some staying power and show some long-term ability to recruit in the state of Texas. We know the resources are there. We know the history and precedent is there for the Ducks to, to make an impact in that state. And I think some successful early season returns would help on that front because a lot of the programs that David is looking in on are either upstart programs or programs under new management like Oregon, like Miami in particular. So I, I do think the early season returns are, are going to play a bit of a factor here. Um, he's looking at a lot of different conferences, a lot of different atmospheres as well. So I could see some return trips out of him to some of these programs before he does lock in and make a verbal commitment. We just talked about the offensive recruiting dynamic between Kenny Dillingham and Carlos Lachlan, who have overlapped in the past at, at Florida State most recently. We've long been talking about the Dan Lanning, Tosh Lupoy kind of corridor of defensive recruiting prowess. And, and that is certainly something that resonates with Hicks. He's a, a kid who's talked about that atmosphere in Eugene. It's something different. It's a counter to what he's used to coming from the state of Texas. And it's something that that he's liked enough to see multiple times. So you wonder, can he get back over to campus before a decision is to be made? I believe he's extending the process well into the season, possibly closer to even National Signing Day before all is said and done. And, and that's typical of a prospect who's still considering seven 
programs as we get closer to the start of, of the 2022 season. So kind of like you did with Dante Moore, we talked about the top of the show, stay in that mix, stay in that top two or three and let some of these other dominoes fall where they may. Maybe Texas A&M fills up. Maybe Michigan State hits the portal hard and starts to grab a lot of spots that that can take away from an instant impact potential for, for David Hicks at a program uh, like that. So there's some certain dominoes that could fall. But, you know, everyone wants this kid. There's just really no other way to put it. One of the most um, easy to project defensive linemen in this class, legitimate inside out pass rushing ability. He's stout. He's physically built today to compete at the collegiate level. He's got a lot of tools that everybody wants. Um, so again, that's where I think you need to continue to show prowess because on that side of the ball, they haven't gotten quite over the hump. So he would certainly be the poster child for that. If UO was able to pull this one off, I think it would be a banner get and compliment Dante more uh, to the highest degree from a perceptional standpoint, because then your two most impressive commitments are from Detroit, Michigan and, and the Lone Star State to counter, not something we talk about with the Ducks. And again, it would be another reminder of the true national ability of the program. Yeah, that would be a, a pretty elite recruiting pair. Uh, as long as David Hicks doesn't tackle Dante in, in practice by accident, then he's he's always uh, more than welcome to come to Eugene. John Garcia Jr. is his name, and talking recruiting is his game as always. Thanks for coming on as uh, we do just about every week, John. Always a pleasure, Spencer. Thanks for having me back on. Anytime you are always welcome on the show, and I appreciate all of you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And go Ducks.